so well it's nice to see you and uh, i hope you guys are not too too exhausted from midterms and i, I do also hope that uh, over these next couple of days you'll be able to get refreshed some way uh, somehow uh, so tonight we're continuing uh, the series that we've begun um, on learning to love uh, by looking at uh, Jesus. And our grounding text has been uh, John 13, 34 to 35, where Jesus urges us to love one another. Uh, he says, even as I have loved you. And so we've been asking uh, that question, how does, Jesus, uh, how does Jesus love us? And we've seen that uh, Jesus sees people. Um, we talked about the eyes of love, uh, eyes of compassion, uh, that he responds uh, to people in their need. Uh, we talked about the hands of love. We've seen that he's willing to cross all kinds of lines, uh, social lines, uh, gender lines, ethnic and racial lines to engage uh, with people in love, uh, the feet of love. And last week we saw how Jesus' love is extravagant. Um, it's not equal, it's unequal. Uh, it's not according to what it gets in return. Uh, the heart of love, love is sacrificial. And tonight we're gonna to be thinking about the mouth of love and what we can learn about Jesus uh, from how he speaks to people. Uh, just one short scripture to kick us off uh, from uh, part of Jesus' teaching in Matthew 12. He says these words, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So let's begin with this thought that God is love and that Jesus, who is the incarnate son of God, is love in human form. So when Jesus speaks, he speaks words of love. And as I was rereading the Gospels this week, I had to keep reminding myself of this because I was noticing <laughs> that, that often Jesus' words uh, don't conform, they don't match up with what I think of when I think of loving words. You know, when I think, if you were to say, what are loving words like? I'd think, first of all, words that are kind and gentle and words of affirmation, uh, words of comfort, words of encouragement. And certainly, uh, Jesus is sometimes that way. And, and scripture exhorts all of us to, to all of those things in our speech. Scripture, you know, has so much to say to us about our speech not only because our words are a reflection of our hearts out of the fullness of the heart the mouth speaks, but, but also because our words have such, uh, such great potential either to do much life-giving uh, uh, good in another person's life or to do great destruction and harm to others. But as I was reading the Gospels, what most impressed me about Jesus is, is that he's more concerned with telling people the truth than with making them feel good about themselves. The mouth of love speaks the truth. And I, I wanna consider the example of Jesus and Peter to illustrate this because I saw this uh, in that relationship. There are several well-known exchanges between Jesus and Peter in the gospels and uh, 
I also think that it's evident that Jesus loves Peter. So we'll do this in terms of a couple of scenes, several scenes. Scene one um, gives us just a little bit of background in Matthew chapter four. Uh, and, and this is, you see this in some of the other gospels. It describes Jesus uh, calling Peter. Uh, Peter and his brother Andrew were both fishermen and Jesus uh, enters their life and calls them away from that. Uh, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men and women, Matthew 4. And in that brief uh, word, Jesus calls Peter to, to nothing less than a new life, uh, to radical life transformation. Little does Peter understand uh, when he leaves uh, to follow Jesus in that moment, how much that leaving and following will entail for him. Peter responds to Jesus' call, and he does leave everything to become one of Jesus' disciples. And the Gospels make it plain uh, that, that Peter becomes, maybe by his personality, his temperament, he becomes one of the most visible and one of the most verbal uh, disciples. He figures prominently in several interactions with Jesus that we're going to touch on just really briefly. But I'm thinking as we're, as we're looking at these, how does Jesus speak words of love to Peter? So let's move to the next scene. Um, this is in Matthew chapter 14. Uh, after providing uh, food for the, the crowds who were following him, Jesus withdraws from the crowds uh, to go away on, on his own to pray. And Matthew uh, describes how he sent the disciples uh, ahead of him uh, to cross to the other side, it says, uh, and they went by boat while he stayed behind to pray. And uh, they encountered uh, high winds uh, and the difficult uh, crossing. It says that Jesus came to them in the fourth watch of the night, so probably they'd been in a rowing for uh, many hours at that point, and he came to them walking on the water. Uh, wow, how extraordinary that must have been. And initially they're afraid, but then they see it's, it's Jesus, and ever eager uh, Peter wants to try this. This looks cool. And so Jesus tells him to come. And so the text says that Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, which had not abated, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately, says, reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And I was thinking, wow, if, if I had been Jesus, and what a scary thought that is, um, my impulse in speaking to Peter would have been uh, speaking to Peter with love, right? It would have been to praise Peter for trying. Oh, good try, Peter. And, and maybe to, to make light of his sinking. Oh, that's okay. I don't think anybody noticed, or I'm sure you'll do better next time. Um, because when we think of words of love, we think primarily of not hurting someone's feelings, right? And of bolstering their, their sense of self-regard. But Jesus just bluntly calls Peter out for his lack of faith. Oh, you of little faith. He highlights his doubt. Why did you doubt? And, and, you know, that might seem a bit harsh to us. 
but this is an important moment. Jesus wants Peter to understand that he is the Lord of the wind and the waves, that he is worthy of, of Peter's worship, that he's worthy of Peter's total trust because he is the son of God. Let's go to another scene a couple chapters later in Matthew chapter 16. Here's a very significant conversation between Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus is saying, you know, who, who do people think I am? And then he, they give some different answers. And, and then Jesus says to them, well, what about you? Who do you think I am? And Peter answers correctly. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And you can just sort of see Peter, I got it right this time. You know, gold star Peter, he answers, he answers correctly. And, and Jesus affirms him. He says, he, he says, yes, Peter, you are right. And, and he, he goes on to speak prophetically of the significant role that Peter will have as his servant in the future. But then Jesus uh, begins to explain to them how as the Christ, he's going to suffer. He's going to be killed. And Peter uh, reacts against this. And so he pulls Jesus aside. And the, and the scripture says that he begins to rebuke Jesus and contradict him. How does Jesus respond to Peter? Matthew says, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Matthew 16, 23. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, Jesus, uh, he's up there a little bit, right? That does not seem like a very loving thing to say. You know, wait, Jesus, I, I thought we were on the same team here. I'm on your side. You can, you, you know, wow. Here again, though, it is so crucial for Peter to grow in his understanding of who Jesus really is. Not just who he wants him to be or imagines him to be, but who is Jesus really? Why has Jesus really come? And so Peter speaks to him and uh, Jesus speaks to him in a very straightforward way. Let's jump to another scene. This is in Matthew chapter 26. This is on the night in which Jesus was betrayed. And Jesus, uh, among other things, he tells the 12 who, who are, he's having dinner with them, the Passover uh, dinner with them, he tells them that they will all fall away on account of him. And, and Peter's like, no, I won't. Uh, he's indignant. And he protests, I'm loyal to you. I'm not, I'm not going to fall away. I'm not going to deny you. Uh, I'm willing to die for you. And Jesus <laughs> He doesn't say, oh, wow, Peter, thanks. That's so special. I really appreciate that. Thank you for saying such kind things. Uh, nope. <laughs> Jesus responds very bluntly. Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Even now, Peter has no idea what is coming down the track. And Jesus does not merely accept Peter's uh, confused understanding he corrects him. He speaks to him hard words. Skip to another scene just a couple of hours later, Matthew chapter 26. Jesus takes Peter. He takes James and John with him, uh, and they go into the Garden of Gethsemane. 
to watch and to pray. And Jesus leaves Peter and James and John uh, to, to go farther away by himself and pray. And poor Peter, he falls asleep. <laughs> when Jesus comes back sometime later after just an agonizing time of prayer with his father, and he discovers Peter sleeping, he doesn't say, oh, you poor thing, you really need to get some sleep, or I'm so sorry, you're so tired. <laughs> no, he, he says, so you could not watch and pray with me for an hour? Jesus, over and over again with Peter, it's like he corrects him, he rebukes him, he scolds him. You know, as I was thinking about this, I was reminded, I don't know when I first heard this, there's a famous story about St. Teresa of Avila or Avila, uh, she, from the 16th century Spanish. And, um, and on a hard journey, she came to a difficult uh, river uh, crossing. And uh, this is recounted in a, in a biography of her. Here's the quote. Uh, so she comes to this river crossing and um, the current was so strong, it says that she lost her footing and was on the point of being carried away when our Lord sustained her. Oh, my Lord, she exclaimed with her usual, usual loving uh, familiarity. When will you cease from scattering obstacles in our path? Do not complain, daughter, the divine master answered, for it is ever thus that I treat my friends. Ah, Lord, she replied, it is also on that account that thou hast so few. You know, it's kind of interesting, right? Peter, uh, Jesus with Peter, you know, he scolds him, he rebukes him, he criticizes him. He's hard on him. Let's go to a final scene. This is in John chapter 21, and it is uh, perhaps the most moving exchange, uh, to me anyway, between Jesus and Peter. In this scene, Jesus probes deeply into Peter's heart with his words. Because if you've read the Gospels, you know that Peter did deny Jesus. He denied him three times, as Jesus foretold. He denied that he even knew him. And now, in this moment, after everything has been accomplished, after Jesus has suffered and died and been raised again from the dead, as he predicted, he appears to his disciples, and he has this conversation with Peter in which he asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, really, do you love me? And John records that Peter was grieved because Jesus asked him three times the same question. Why was Jesus so hard on Peter? That he would repeatedly rebuke him, that he would correct him, that he would humble him, that he would probe him so deeply. Why would Jesus do that? Because he loved him. It is because Jesus loves Peter 
that he speaks truth to him. And Jesus will not shrink back from speaking truth to us because he also loves us. Peter needed to know, he needed to understand and trust in the real Jesus, not, not some imaginary Jesus, but who Jesus really is. For, for Jesus to leave Peter with some sort of false understanding of who he was, who he is, would, would have been to leave Peter ultimately in peril. Jesus spoke truth to Peter because he loved him. Jesus spoke the truth to Peter because he wanted Peter to know and to believe that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. And furthermore, I think that Jesus spoke the truth to Peter the ways that he did because he had plans for Peter. However, could Peter be one who would go on to, to, to fulfill in the best sense uh, his calling to be a fisher of, of men and women if he didn't know and believe that Jesus is, is the one that people need? How could, how could Peter go on to feed Jesus' lambs uh, if he didn't know and believe that Jesus is the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep? How could Peter be, be useful in the foundational years of the church if he didn't understand what it meant for Jesus to be the cornerstone? Jesus needed to speak those words to Peter so that Peter be, could become everything that Jesus uh, desired and intended and called him to be. Peter never would have become the person Jesus was calling him to be without hearing the truth spoken to him in love. And so it is with us, brothers and sisters. So it is with us. Jesus is love. Jesus is the truth. Jesus speaks the truth in love. And Jesus loves us by, Jesus loves us when he speaks the truth to us. Two thoughts as we close. The first is, is just this, that if, if we want, I, I think if we want to be people who learn to love the way Jesus loves, we must be willing to hear the truth from him. And I'm not suggesting that true words are always hard words to hear. And I'm not suggesting that for a minute. But, but I do sometimes fear that, that we, and in this generation, we are so hungry for words of praise, for words of comfort, for words of affirmation, that we cannot hear, we cannot receive the word of love that comes to us from God in the form of a correction or a conviction or a searching inquiry into the desires and intentions of our hearts. You know, some of you, I don't know all of your families for sure, but some of you from, might from time to time wonder why your mom or your dad is always correcting you. And of course, our human parents are often at fault in the ways they discipline us, I understand. But often it is because our parents love us so deeply that they speak to us so honestly. So it always is with God. Hebrews 12 speaks of God disciplining us as his beloved children. 
they, our human parents, disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he, God, disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. And in the moment, this discipline, this it, it, it seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Are you willing to hear whatever truth Jesus wants to speak to you. And second, as with Peter, Jesus has good plans for us, for you. By God's grace, when we've learned the truth from Jesus, when our hearts have been softened and humbled by the gospel, when we've come to realize that, that we cannot really truly love people if we're unwilling to speak truth to them, then by God's grace, we, you and I, can begin to love others as Jesus loved others by telling them the truth that they need to hear. And again, I'm not saying for a minute that speaking truth always means saying hard things to people, not at all. And, and for some, maybe for many of us, maybe for all of us, perhaps we need to be exhorted to say more words of encouragement. But if we are unwilling to ever speak a hard word, we do well to ask ourselves if we are really loving others or are we merely keeping safe from others? And yes, we could discuss at great length the importance, because you and I are not Jesus. <laughs> Let's not ever forget that. We could, we could discuss the importance of, of making sure that we have the right spirit before we speak, uh, as Jesus teaches us, of making sure we've removed the log from our own eye, and, and, and we need to be sensitive to timing before we speak and to the Spirit's leading, and that we are appropriately kind and gentle and compassionate and humble about our own faults. All of these things are biblical and important, and they are all ways that we often fall short in our speech. But tonight, I hope we also hear this. The mouth of love speaks truth. And so to love people who don't know Jesus will mean that we speak to them, that we seek to tell them about Jesus, who he is, why he came, what he did, why they need him. And to love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ will mean that we are truthful with one another. And sometimes this means that in love and with humility, we say hard things to one another because we love one another, even as Jesus has loved us. Oh, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen.